Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Left of Greg podcast. I am Brian Marin, the host and creator of the show. As always, I will be joined by human behavior expert, Mr. Greg Williams, who the show is affectionately named after. Here on the Left of Greg show, our goal is to increase your advanced critical thinking ability through a better understanding of what we call human behavior, pattern recognition, and analysis. If you'd like to find out more about what that is, you can check out our website at arcadiacognorati.com or by following us on Facebook at HBPRA. Please help support the show by checking out our Patreon site where for just a few dollars you can have access to all kinds of episode extras, videos, and short tutorials that are updated weekly. Just click the link in the episode details that says support the show and we'll take you directly to that site. If you have any questions or would like us to cover a specific topic, please reach out to us at leftofgreg at gmail.com. On today's episode, Greg and I are talking about cognitive biases, mythical creatures, and stereotypes. We discuss why humans use stereotypes, what they're used for, and whether or not they're any good. Later in the episode, Greg explains what he calls primed recognition decision-making, and then we discuss why people often jump to unreasonable conclusions when presented with a small amount of evidence. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find the links in the episode details. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends about it. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, so we are live on Facebook, but we will go ahead and get started today, Greg. So today's today's topic, uh, cryptids and stereotypes. Okay, so I want to just real quick define for everyone uh, what a cryptid is. And a cryptid is is any animal which is presumed um, by certain populations or a number of people to exist, even though there isn't any actual or realistic evidence for their existence. But I want to give because this was a because of this topic, I chose as my source for some of this material um, directly from Wikipedia, which is perfect. And boy, <laughs> did I learn a lot, Greg. First of all. Did. There's people, there's something called the crypto, cryptozoology pseudoscientific subculture. Okay, so one, the term pseudoscientific subculture is just hilarious and amazing. And 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 that that's a topic maybe for another entire podcast. I, I would claim that we both can can right now have PhDs in that. We can, uh, we can. I think right now. Yeah, we you actually know, have like tenure the, at their university. Exactly. Um, but uh it, but what they said that the followers of the cryptozoology zoology pseudoscientific subculture to exist on the basis basis of anecdotal or other evidence considered insufficient by mainstream science so apparently there's a mainstream science and then there's the pseudoscientific pseudoscientific subculture i just assume i thought there was just science but anyway so just for anyone who's wondering cryptids are things like would fall under is like bigfoot yeti uh, uh loch ness monster uh, the chupacabra uh, the Kraken, uh, uh, all of these different ah, things for for our, for for our for our folks up in in Canada that listen, that would be I found one that Manipo- Manipogo, also known as Winnipogo, who is a lake monster up in Lake Manitoba. But the idea is these are are I mean it's seen all over the world in different cultures. There's different ones in Africa, South America, North America of these beings, these beasts um, that people have claimed to see. Right, even though there is no real evidence, so that's that's a general understanding of of, of cryptids, right? And then, did you want to jump right into your globsters, or do you want to talk about yeah, this? So first? let's ease into that for a second. First of all, I want it to to be evidence that you and I are both doing this one at night in the dark, 
even though it's live, it's it's, it's, it's still that daylight hours. It's, it's before seven a.m. my time. Right exactly, now, so. because we have to speak of cryptids in hush. <laughs> I think it's a perfect uh, setting for it. And and, but, I and maybe that, as the sun rise, we will shed light yeah. on this topic. So yeah, well, I ain't gonna shed any weight, so we might as well shed some light. But Brian, uh, I want to. I don't. Want, I want to offer a correction to the audience. Um, about, do. You said that there is no evidence. Well, remember, anecdotal okay. evidence is yeah. a form of evidence. Right, right. But anecdotal evidence doesn't rise to, to uh, it never rises to empirical evidence, for example, but it does rise to usable, utile evidence if there is such a volume of it that you can't look away. Do you get what I'm saying? Where everybody saw this, this thing in Siberia and uh, uh, it lasted for a period of time. And no longer is an anecdotal. We have to look at it and say, hey, an event occurred there, but but somebody just didn't record it in a, in a way where science says, yeah, we'll accept it. And, and what I mean by that is we haven't attained that even in cryptology, even in this cryptid, not cryptology, yes. even in this cryptidology or whatever they want to call themselves, because it's a new word. I don't even know what the hell they're talking about. But the idea is that uh, it all started when I was on a plane with somebody that that claimed that that was their, their uh, degree was in uh, folklore and uh mystical beings you know okay so, where did that know, degree my, my, come from the at <laughs> the university of dublin remarkably uh no but the the idea is that he was talking complete shit and uh i wasn't that would be shite then if it was, was dublin. person shite it is there was a person that was sitting in the middle seat you know that damned middle seat yeah and this was before covid when life was a party all day long <laughs> and uh so I, i'm sitting in the window seat and so i'm doing the letter c and uh, this guy's going, oh, yeah, and there's this and that and all this other. And he was talking about the oldest one in the world, the Himalayan skull. You know, when they, they talk about the, the Himalayas and the guys were up oh, and they yeah. saw the footprints. And then they went to this temple and there was this cone-shaped skull. And they said, it, 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 it looks orthognathic. It looks not unlike a mountain gorilla silverback. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, for years and years as a kid growing up, that and Eric Von Daniken, I'm reading all these things. And everybody said that was a Bigfoot skull. And then a couple of years back, somebody uh, stole some hairs and some uh, skin right. sample from it and said it was a lacquered, gosh damn, uh, you know, uh, coyote skull or whatever yeah. that had been there so many years that it had shaped and morphed. And it doesn't really matter what it was, Brian, but it was false. And and that's exactly the nature of these 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 uh, uh, cryptid sightings mm -hmm. is that somebody wasn't sure what they saw, right? And the story became bigger. Than the event itself, and, I, and and I'll give you one. Uh, did you see? There's a million television shows and uh, hyperbole, of course, uh, about uh, supernatural, and all they are is fast moving cameras, uh, yeah, weak yeah. scripts. The scripts yeah, are weaker yeah. than uh, Scooby Doo. You know yeah, what I'm trying really to say? Are. And oh, it's old man so and so at the, the amusement park. Uh, but what happens is they move. Did you see that? Did you see that? And how, for for example, is the camera poised to watch the person's reaction? That always amazes me, right? Uh, uh, so they just at the right time. And then we never see the ghost or, or, or the specter or whatever it is, but we see some expression on the person's face and then hear some far off sound. That's what they're banking on. So, so imagine you and I having a conversation. Yeah. And it's a spooky night around the campfire and we're out, uh, you know, outside some, some village. And so we can actually see the stars, Brian, you've got a great thing about being able to see the stars and not yeah. having the light pollution, right, uh, right, right. Uh, you know, change you. Right. So here we are sitting around the campfire and I'm explaining to you, Hey, I just came back from this long trek in, uh, in Africa and you're going to Africa. What the hell is Africa? I, don't, I only know Ohio. And yeah. I try to explain to you that there's a big river. 
And this river takes weeks to, weeks cross. to cross. And you're right. now thinking I'm full of crap, right? Yeah. And so I said, well, I, I saw this big beast and it had this huge horn and you could ride on it. It had four legs and galloped along. And in your brain, as I'm talking, you're going, holy crap, this unicorn. It had one horn. It's beautiful, majestic Arabian stallion with the horn. And I'm seeing a rhino. Okay. Yeah. But the idea is that it's close enough that your brain starts creating this stereotypical view of what's likely and that's close enough and and your brain glams onto that so when it's you know low light no light yeah. you know when the campfire's flickering all of a sudden these stories start coming out and we yeah. try to make them true and they're just not true no and and to anyone listening now it's a it's a good point to kind of highlight that well one i know our good friend eric collier is smashing <laughs> his phone right now listening to he this hates us. bigfoot is real but if bigfoot. honestly if anyone knew bigfoot it would be eric collier i feel like I, so, he's so, still in squatchy all no, no, the time no no, no but, but the, the, the the reason why is like in and i'm not tempting just to make fun of everyone who believes this stuff or thinks they see it it's actually the That's exact opposite it, it's um it, it's we we are all we all fall into this right so yep. yeah maybe you're like you can sit here and go yeah I, I get it the bigfoot stuff doesn't exist but you'll fall into the same exact trap that people who believe bigfoot would on, on a different topic so so i don't want it to be like oh it's just this small segment of the population that's why i was making fun of the pseudoscientific stuff that's okay to make fun of but <laughs> but well, yeah, no no you know, but meaning, you're meaning, exactly you're spot I, I, I don't, on Brian. i don't want it to come across as like oh you're just some dumbass who we we see extraordinary things sometimes yep even when it's not extraordinary even when it can be explained and it's due to our you know different cognitive biases and how we perceive and see the world i know we're getting into that but but i just don't want anyone to like turn it off right now and be like oh you know f these guys they're just blah 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 nah, no, 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 no. Like, we're, we're all we all fall into that trap yep and and whether that's a, a sensational news story or it's a bigfoot sighting or it's the chupacabra or whatever you're at like it, it's it it, it I put it all under the same category, right? You're, you're exactly right. So, you, Brian, you know where Windsor is? Uh, as, yeah, uh, it's right across Detroit. Detroit, right so, there. So, 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 if you were looking at at Detroit, if if you went due south, you're in Canada. You get what I'm saying? Most people don't think about it like that because of the way it's set up. So, one night, uh, I'm driving the scout car on midnights, and if you're going to see some, it's going to be on midnight. Midnight, of course. And all of a sudden, I see the horizon light up over the Detroit River, and I see a UFO. And it's burning in, Brian, and it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And all of a sudden, I see it just dissipates a few feet above the ground across the, the river. I mean, horizon-wise, I don't know where it was, but I yeah. know that it was equal with what I saw as a visible horizon. I get on call dispatch immediately. I was a copper at the time and uh, in full uniform, fully marked scout car on a midnight shift. And I call in and I go, hey, you better check with Windsor and see if they had a plane go down. Brian, it was that bright. It was remarkable. And when I use remarkable, I'm using it in the clinic sense. It bears remarking. We need, yeah, yeah, yeah. need to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, dispatch comes back and goes, uh, no, nothing. Uh, Windsor, OPP, Ontario Provincial Police, they saw the same thing, all this stuff. I had an in-car camera. You got to remember back then the in-car cameras, I got none yeah. big enough to show you. <laughs> yes. like a shoe box. The big, Do you get what I'm trying VHS to say? VHS on your it, shoulder. It was, yeah, it was in yeah. front of your head. You had to watch it. It was bigger yeah. than your headrest, you know? And so I go, holy crap, maybe I have it. So I, I drove in and we had a, uh, 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 a young sergeant, uh, gosh, can't think of his name. And I said, Hey, you gotta, you have to unlock the box. You can't do it. Right. The, yeah, yeah. the supervisor has to get into the vault. And, uh, so he, uh, Petey Bells and, and, uh, uh, so Petey, this Petey now, Brian, <laughs> this is Petey calling to tell me you can't, you can't use his name. 
So uh, Petey Bells uh, opens up the vault and he puts it on a big screen in, in his office. And sure enough, you can see the whole thing. So now we're thinking, do we call the news media? What do we do on it? Brian, we found out over the next three days that it was a pencil lead size meteorite. Right. And the meteor, when it burned in, and yeah. I might be using those terms backwards, but you know, one's in the atmosphere and one's once it burns in, that little pencil lead created that uh, 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 dissonance in the atmosphere that was seen for miles around and had a thousand people call it in. So listen to me. If you don't immediately understand it and your brain has to constantly make order out of chaos, it will glam onto something that might not be real by going through the Rolodex, right? The file folder and going, well, damn, that might be this unexplained thing. And, and literally by definition, Brian, it was unexplained. It was an unexplained flying object. Yeah, no. And, and that's a, uh... With, with, with any observation, right? We have to we have to attribute it to something that we know, and if we can't, it, it's really difficult for us. And I always look at a good example is like when you look at little kids and they kind of stare a little bit longer at something. Yep. They do the head tilt. It's because they don't have the file folders. We do everything in their environment is new and novel to them, so they have yes. to look at it, and it, it takes longer to sense, make, and problem solve. And you have to tell them, "Oh, that's this. This is okay. That's not." Or don't right, go right, right, right. So, so, it, it, but as we grow in adults, well, one, we have the answers to everything. I already know everything, right? I don't need to, and I have to put it into the category. And we're very, very. This goes into we're just in general we're, we're uncomfortable. Um, being ignorant, right? I don't want to feel yes. like I don't know something, right? And and that's the best. If you look at any like, you know, especially any scientist in their field for a really long time, a lot of them have this idea like you have to be comfortable not having all the answers. If you want to do like you have to be able to say, I don't know. Here's what I, I think, or here's how I can explain it. But there's some things I don't understand yet, and that's okay. But but just in general, as humans, right, we're very egocentric. We want, I want an answer, and we need it simple because I have to. But my brain needs an answer. I can't just go. I wonder what that was. I, I have to attribute it to something. So I'm going to draw on my own file folders, my own experiences. And and if one of those is, I just got done watching a, uh, ancient a an episode of Ancient Aliens, right? And I got the, yep. I love the guy on there who's got this big head, has this crazy hair, and he's a ufologist. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. I, I and love it. He's got the neck piece. He always has some different yeah. kind of necklace on. <laughs> because yeah, they yeah. go, they do the, oh, could it be? Was it maybe? Were they right. visited? It's, it's your attribute. This like okay, you're now you don't have enough evidence to explain using what we know right now or what you know. So you're at the limits of what you can articulate. So we often then jump to an unreasonable conclusion instead of just going, "Damn, I don't know." Like, can we find someone who does know? We go, "Oh, you know what? Maybe it was aliens, or maybe it was Bigfoot, or maybe it was this." And and that's you know that corrupt file folder we call it, kind of jumping in there. And, and, and clouding uh, our, our perception and clouding our reality and actually making it yeah. more complicated. Right? So, so let's, let's jump into science real quick, and we can bounce back and forth on this, but let's couch this in science for a minute. And again, Brian brought up a great point. If you're listening or watching us at home, we're not anti-Bigfoot. Uh, uh, okay? No, we're I love it. I want to do this. I just don't uh, think Or ghosts. I would love to see that stuff, yeah. and I'm as entertained, especially coming up on Halloween. Why Everybody don't ghosts come out during the ghosts. day, by the way? Yeah, yeah. But they don't. And why don't we uh, uh, ever have? Look, uh, do you remember uh, all all the, uh, the 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 sad people in Lebanon uh, uh, still praying for you? Uh, the huge explosion in Lebanon, Brian. Do you remember uh, that at the time, within the first four hours, let's say, how many different 
uh, photos and videos of that that you had, every single one of them, I could read license plates. I mean, I was seeing ATM cameras yeah. that, yes, that could that show you, me yeah. individual people uh, uh, blow you, you up. You could see a, a, yeah, a birthmark on someone's face yes. from 50 but meters away. But then all of a sudden somebody goes, look over there. There's the ghost right there. <laughs> Why the, did you get what I'm trying to say? What is the cinema verite? What do you got? Palsy? No offense to people with palsy. But it's always that kind of horse crap. And then there's always somebody that comes out and says it. The, the, to go back to the Himalaya incident, the, 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 there was a doctor uh, that's uh, w- one person that's climbed uh, uh, Everest more than anybody else has done it. Uh, uh, more, makes Hil- uh, Sir Edmund Hillary look like a monk. And this guy also did it without oxygen, Brian. And he says one day he was so tired. He was up there. He was seeing things. And all of a sudden he saw the Yeti. And uh, what he described it as was a bear. And he goes, he talked to some scientists and there was a hybrid of a, a polar type bear and a Kodiak type bear. And that's what the foot, you know, uh, you got to think of the foot impressions in the snow, then the sun hits them and they get much larger, you know, and, and he had a logical explanation. All I'm asking our viewers and readers is to take a step back, give yourself the gift of time and distance. And sometimes things are more clear. And that's why I want to throw at you, uh, you know, our good friend, Gary Klein, uh, Dr. Joan Johnson, lover to death. Uh, uh, Carol Ross, it's Bill and Carol Ross, but Carol's the ger- genius there. No offense, <laughs> Bill. Uh, you know that they, they spent years working on recognition, prime decision-making, RP, mm-hmm. uh, uh, DM. And everybody can look that up, and it's brilliant. Uh, well, my g- thing is... G- give us, well, real ahead. quick, just just give us a quick yeah, yeah. So, definition of, of Gary. So, so Gary Klein train, and recognition, prime yeah. decision-making is a good theoretical kind of model of it is. how it's, we, it's an how architecture we for theories on how we make decisions. Yeah. We kind of, yeah. we, we like, we covered the OODA loop, right. And, and what Boyd was getting at with that mental model Klein's very well known. I think it really got even since like the eighties or nineties, right. Really kind of came out. And then uh, a lot of it, it was also geared towards or not geared toward. It was just found more home in like law enforcement first responder type situations where it was maybe some type of emergency situation or with the military as well. Or, and you had to same thing, go through those mental file folders, make decisions rapidly under stress and how we arrive at conclusions. So just kind of a general idea, I guess. So. Which was great. And and I think the caveat what Brian just said is you have to remember at home that it was a great book on the shelf that if you wanted to figure out how your brain worked during these situations, right. you could read it. Didn't move the bubble. Didn't no. help you uh, it, uh, in your human performance. You know, you get where I'm going, Brian. Well, yeah. yeah. So I, I would say it's um, uh, theoretically sound, and and yep. it makes really sense to understand the process, right? To understand, just like anytime you read a book. Oh man, I want to learn about neuroscience. Hey, that's really cool. I didn't know it. Exactly. This is another great one for that. It's just operationalizing that and using that in real time or trying to read that book and then go, all right, how do I use this? That's where it gets. uh, Exactly. Because now we're talking about pioneers in the field and not unlike Boyd, uh, they're juggling the water balloon. They're not exactly sure. They don't have all the answers yet. They have a great explanation. Yeah, they really do. So, so great stuff on the shoulders of giants. I would say that what we look at is primed recognition, decision-making. So under stress, your brain does, crazy stuff. And specifically, if you think of the brain being lazy, the brain can't uh, say, listen, I'm going to create a file for for every nuanced thing that happens today, because we'd never get out of the cave, Brian. We'd never get out of the car. We'd never get anything done. So what happens is situations prime 
us. Like, for example, if I sneeze, everybody else in the room sneeze. If I yawn, everybody else yawns. Yeah. Uh, scientifically, that's called priming. So just like priming, sociologists I'm, would prime I'm gonna you. Start, I'm going to start yawning here in a second. Yeah, yeah, thank <laughs> you. Uh, but no, no, seriously. <laughs> no, no, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, like if we use uh, uh, terms uh, over and over and over, like the aggressive terms, and we adopt an aggressive body posture, we know that mirror neurons pick up on that, and they start repeating that behavior. So as much as recognition prime decision-making means, hey, I've seen a prototypical match for this, so now I'm going to template match it, right? I'm going to match the cards and go, hey, I've got those. I say that your brain is primed for a decision before you enter the decision. And if you look into what I'm talking about, it's an expectation. Expectations help us navigate these ambiguous environments that we encounter all the time. And it satisfies our brain's need to make order out of chaos. So if it's dark and I hear a bump in the night do you get what I'm trying to say? In all my life, I've learned that there was a closet monster or a monster under my bed. What the hell do you think I'm about to see? Do you, you get where I'm going? So now I'm going into a house searching for a suspect and I hear a creaky floorboard. Okay. Oh my gosh, here he comes. It's going to be, you know, the chainsaw killer. Those things are in our brain just below our conscious levels. And they're always acting to come up with a likely conclusion for what we're going to see. And guess what, Brian, when we stop on a blank page, dealer's choice man and whatever yeah happens, no and you, you, you space bring alien up, it's a, right that's a that's a good one too because it goes right into what we're talking about with cryptids and different mythological yeah. creatures and how it was because you you i mean you brought up a specific one that observer expectancy bias right so yes. we we have we talk about different cognitive biases on this show all the time because it's important to understand it, and it's not to confuse the matter or make it cloudier it's actually to help understand like hey you're like you just talked about primed to um, uh, expect something yep. when you observe an event and based on your past experiences is like we like to call them file folders that prototypical matching right you go oh okay it must be this and and there's different ways to to do that and your brain does that prototypical matching which just means if you've seen something like it before it can it can come up with a solution and i was actually give a really good one is like you know there's hundreds of different types of door handles or doorknobs or ways to open different types of doors that you've been through in your life once someone shows you how a doorknob or handle works right you don't need to learn what the difference between a push bar and a turn handle is you understand the process your brain does so then it can use prototypical matching and go all right i've opened a door before here's the ways i've used it and then figure out the problem you don't stand there and look at it and go oh, i don't i don't i don't get this someone come show me right so there, there's a million different types of examples but that works into exactly how we observe something so if i'm looking at an event unfolding right I have to expect to see certain things. And if if I have those corrupt file folders or someone said, hey, there's a monster or there's this. Exactly. And, and especially when Look you look out in, tonight, be careful, or, right? When you bring in, you know, it's it's nighttime, which naturally yep. our body is already going, okay, the danger lurks at night. This is when we're supposed to be sleeping. Why are we up right now? I can't see as well. I can't hear as well. I can't assimilate my environment very well. This is much more dangerous for me at a very primal level, right? Yep. So we're already at that height. So 
legislative alert. So now that that uh, you know we we've all heard it's like the, the the fishing story or a war story. I always say you know nothing ruins a war story like another witness. You know because it goes from <laughs> hey, there was three of them out there and then yeah. years later it's hey, there was five and then there was ten there was twelve we were outnumbered seven to one. You know and it's the oh, same absolutely. thing with a fishing story. You know how big was the fish? Oh, it was this big. You know what I mean? And that that grows over time. And and so we have those kind of corrupt ways of looking at things. So that's why we always look sometimes to if I can't know exactly what it is, I'm more likely to then say, hey, it's this it's this supernatural beast. It's this yeah. uh, a, a globster turns into yeah, yeah. a so, some some some, you know, a prehistoric animal that's never been found before. And it's like, oh, it was a yeah, baby seal. So <laughs> You're spot on, Brian. And for our listeners, before we go to Globster, that gives you a chance to get ahead of us and run to your uh, computer and look it up. Uh, what Brian is saying, and let me street it for you. Uh, remember, non-science is con-science. So, so if you don't know it, you go and look it up. And knowledge is power because if you name it, then you can understand what it is. What Brian was talking about in, in a really high level is what you on the street level call a stereotype. And stereotypes help us categorize information into usable chunks because our brain engages in chunks uh, called chunking. And, and, and it does it in hopes that we can predict the outcome of an upcoming situation without actually going through the caloric burn of investigating it. Our brain is lazy. We're lazy as humans. And we're always thinking that everything we're entering into is a survival situation because of our old programming. So stereotypes help us understand and put these information in these little ice cream trays, in these little ice cube trays, rather. And so what happens is going in, we already have an expectation of what's likely. Uh, uh, the sun is up. Uh, uh, the alarm clock's going. Expectation, it's a new day. We got to get to work. And so we start going through our routines, our patterns. So people think there's a malevolent side to stereotypes. Yeah, there is for racist shithead assholes that hate humans. Right. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Right. But it, guess you, what? They're always going to find some way. They're always, to, yeah. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? They're going to find, oh, look, that guy's got an extra toe or whatever it is uh, uh, to decide to hate you or you're a beard or I'm a big Indian and a little Indian, <laughs> as Jonathan Swift said. Remember, uh, the, the great thing to do with the uh, homeless is to eat them. And, and uh, Swift said that, and it's not unlike the coyote remark that came out a couple of days ago. What right. we're trying to say is that if your brain rushes to an unreasonable conclusion based on some external stimulus or uh, schema or, or dissonance, you're likely going to be wrong. And this is where our ML and MD COA came from, Brian. When I was sitting most around likely, going, what's most, most likely most, and what's yeah. most dangerous, right? I was thinking of stereotypical evidence and template and prototypical matches in our environment. And you know why? Because as a martial artist, you have to outthink your opponent. And as a copper, listen, this is what, if, if somebody right now is wondering what happens with coppers, I want you to think of how stereotypes and how expectation management works. A subject calls dispatch. Dispatch writes down the information, then calls the radio car. That's already gone through a couple of hands. Think about the misinformation that might be coming down the pike. Then, Brian, you hear uh, unknown trouble on uh, Sage Drive. We got the, you get what I'm trying to say? Now, your brain is working. Unknown trouble. Holy crap, what could that be? Well, it might be a domestic in progress. We've had a lot of those. Or you know what? It might be an elk that fell through a skylight. We don't know what the hell it is, right? So that's what happens. So that's why I say instead of recognition primed, I say it's primed, okay, the juices are flowing, recognition. And then when you get there and you see that person, listen, have you ever heard a person when a gun was pulled on them? How do they describe the weapon, Brian? Oh, it's huge. 
I can it see was. that barrel. That barrel is as big as a as a quarter, you know, which yeah. you know all so that. Yeah, lo- yeah. Love Grossman. Lo- love yeah. Grossman. But Grossman's oh. going to chalk it up to an electrochemical neurotransmitter and there say it was a serotonin in- level and the adrenal cortex. There's I'm a place in time for Grossman. Yeah, yeah. Well, we always got to. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm saying instead of recognition prime, that was primed recognition. Your brain, your senses were primed, and then when it occurred, you said, "See there." So and, and now we get a bias. So no, no, no. Yeah. And that, that leads to it. And, and the, you know, cause that would be the question is are stereotypes good and meaning, well, well, technically they're they originally helpful. meant for to be helpful. Right. Yep. And, and, and then what happens is it can be now, now negative or that corrupt file folder because, but that's, that's because of your bad information or, or as we say, like you're putting your finger on the scale at that point, like you're, you th- are. you're, 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 you're taking it to an extraordinary level and, and you kind of talked about what they're for and why we use them. And, and they literally just can conserve calories, right? I don't want to have they to really overthink do. every single situation that I'm in, which is also why we miss a lot of small, subtle cues in our environment, right? So, so the idea is, you know, those, those are, you know, I- I important to use and to have, but we have to be aware of them, right? There's no yeah. way to get around these different biases other than being conscious of the fact that you have them and then saying, hey, that's going to, um, change the story a little bit, right? I guess to say, right? Uh, right on. I, I, but but here's the here's what I, what I wanted to get with all of these is that we have a uh, a tendency to uh, in those situations to jump towards something almost supernatural, which is kind of what you're talking about with the cryptids and everything here, right? Um, that's how that that you know bear who bears can stand up on, on their, on, on two legs and move yep. around that turns into a Bigfoot sighting in the middle of the night. Right. And, and so that's kind of the thing is that why then do we jump to something extraordinary? You know, why does that fish become five pounds bigger than it actually was? Why does it be, why does it become a, a chupacabra and why does it become wherever you're at? You know, why does it become the Loch Ness monster versus, hey, I wonder, you know, why do we always jump to that, Greg? So it's all sense-based and your sense-making and problem-solving skills are always turned to survival, whether you have evolved or not. So I want you to take a look at a situation, olfactory senses, okay, our sense of smell. Uh, Decomposition smells in a very specific way. Our nose is close to our mouth to make sure that we don't eat fetid decomposing things. That smell test, you know, passing the smell test means we won't accidentally ingest it. A decomposing elk out on the prairie, um, that warns us that a mountain lion might be near, and that's his killing field. And so that gives us an olfactory stimulation to keep moving, go away, go the different way. Uh, It triggers the blowfly to come and help break down the body so it can go back to the earth. Everything has a reason to be there. So what happens is in the event of surprise, your expectation management comes up with a tabula rasa, a white sheet. And so now those light and those shadows are a little spooky. So we're afraid of it. So we build a temporary file folder to keep us away from that until we can explain it. Do you get what I'm saying? So these cryptid people, they just want to say, oh, it's this mystery that'll never be explained. Could it be the ancient Loch Ness Monster? No. Okay, it's not a Loch Ness monster. It was a damn log floating or whatever, right? So we create this to keep us at arm's length in a survival situation until our brain can gather enough information or we repeat the behaviors enough time 
to have an uncorrupted file folder. That's simply that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a great explanation, Greg, but it's like, why again, it's, it's like, uh, we still want to, we want it to be something it's the, I go back to the X files. Remember, remember Mulder on the yep. X files was people want to believe that was the whole saying. And that applies in so many different areas. I think it's funny. I still, I changed the quote out, uh, for something I was doing yesterday on the board, but, but I have it up here now and it's without cookies. He's just a monster. Just a monster. <laughs> I think that's. I didn't plan that for this for this uh, uh, broadcast, but I I think it's a a perfect example. So I, I'll give you ju- I'll give yeah. you just one more very briefly. Uh, there's a place down in New Mexico, and you know our good friend Jaeger, uh, uh, always going out uh, doing archaeological digs, paleontology, all that other stuff. So there's one place, and I can't think of it on the this uh, east west road that goes right into to Texas. And Shelly and I passed through there, and we had to see the the dinosaur impressions that were left in the mud. If you believe in dinosaurs and, and not Flintstonian dinosaurs, like the real ones, uh, what happened is part of the earth at this place. And I think it starts with a C. I just can't think of it right now. Uh, uh, or an R it turned up because the ground was heaving. And so some of them were on the side and then some of them were up and upside down. So clearly the oh, people that were yeah. in that area said we had dragons and you yeah. can see we had dragons because they could defy gravity and they hung upside down. Well, we know that's not likely Brian, but it's amazing. And that, that, uh, George F F Martin or whatever his name is, uh, uh, how, how many billions of dollars did that look freakazoid make on, on, uh, you know, the dungeons and dragons, real life games. Listen, we love the fantasy. We love to, you know, do you think that I want to go through the rest of my life going, oh, this overweight, balding piece of crap? I want to envision myself as the hero of every story. So I tell you, that plays into it, too. So if you have your ego tugging, you have your chemical transmitters trying to say, I'm not sure what that is, but it might be scary. We don't want to walk around scared all the time. We don't want to walk around hyper alert. So, I do. I walk around know, terrified of everything <laughs> in my environment. Can you imagine <laughs> if you did that constantly? Uh, you'd be in great shape. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, well, and that uh, man, there's a there's a lot you can you can get into in terms of how people go around, and I, I think people are going around a little bit too scared sometimes. Um, you know, I, we always like to remind people it's in. I know it's 2020 and it's a crazy year, but um, it is you you are now living in the safest time in the history yep. of the world, and and it's safer than it was 10 years ago, and and 10 yep. years ago is safer than it was the 10 years before that, and 10 years you know you just keep going back, um, but but we we don't I, I it, it, this this can get into a number of areas, meaning we um, often attribute more value to something scary or uh, that uh, something I don't fully understand. Yes. Or something that's sensational, we we attribute more value to it um, than it really deserves sometimes, and and I I do that with everything. I I do that with every you know ha- half the news stories that come out. It's like okay, what this is another thing I have to care about. <laughs> what? Why? Right. Why is this so sensational? But but I, and, and that it's all leads into exactly what we're talking about. And so sometimes when people say, oh, you know, it's like the the media is always biased. It's like well, no. Yeah, uh, all humans were all horribly biased. So, so let's Absolutely. let's let's learn how to learn a little bit better, right? Let's understand how to process information a little bit better. And and these examples that you're giving of of the 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 cryptids, right? 
there's a whole society of for people out there who really want it to be true. Exactly. They want and, it and, to be true. And they're going to argue that it's going to be true and they're going to get support for other people and they're going to get everyone involved. And hey, look at this piece of information. Look at how it ties over into here. But and they're largely harmless. Yeah. And, and I, that I would, well, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. And no. Uh, yes. What, what I mean is they're, they're, they're not out there trying to force me to believe, uh, no, uh you hear what I'm trying to say, No, but sometimes it's again, uh, you know, what is it when, when there's a large number of people who believe in something, we suddenly give it more value and think that it's, uh, think that it's more true. Okay. So if you recall back in the sixties, uh, late fifties, early sixties, absolutely. Every television show was a Western. And I don't mean absolutely, but I mean, the lion's share. Um, even cartoons were Westerns. Okay. Ricochet rabbit. You get what I'm trying to say. You had the, 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 uh, what the heck was the one that was uh, the old Western fort with the go, go gophers. Um, why? Because during that period of our life, we all wanted to be that high noon character. We all wanted to be able to have the white hats versus the black hats, the good versus evil. Uh, as we adapt, there's sometimes that we want this supernatural, Brian, we want the space shows. We like the alien. We, we like that because we don't want to think this is all there is. We don't want to think that my life in this state has to remain this way. We want to think that we can champion something else. Even an anti-hero is a hero. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, so we glam onto things that make us feel that there's something bigger and greater for some it's religion and certain religions would say there is no such thing as a cryptid. There isn't uh, mm -hmm. you know, space yeah. aliens and other stuff. There's other people that go wavy gravy, chili palmer, whatever you want to believe we'll go with and we'll believe that. And that's safe too. My thing is, as long as it's not hurting anybody, I would say use the gift of time and distance. Most things are explicable, but you still watch these shows where they exploit the people uh, where the woman sits down with the guy and they say, listen, your children are in danger if you don't move out of this house. Brian, when was the last time in uh, uh, you know San Diego where you are? When was the last time that a ghost killed anybody? Do you remember those haunted <laughs> house killings? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but we don't equate those, and they're close enough. Uh, all you need to see is how many horror movies are out there to see what a popular genre it is. And, and the same thing with fantasy and the same thing with fiction. Well, and then that also, that also, that's, that's what corrupts our file folders a lot, right? Yes. It's the whole, when you have a, a, a pre, you know, a presidential candidate talking about maybe the police should shoot someone in the knee. Like you're, you're going, you've watched way too many movies and you have Dude, no I don't think idea I what you're talking knee. about. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, I'm just saying. No, but, but I, I think it's yeah. an important, you know, to, to understand how this affects. Cause now you look at all these different conspiracy theories and stuff that are pop up now. And they, I mean, Greg, they're almost word for word, uh, a script from the HBO show of uh, I forget what it was called, like true detective with Matthew McConaughey. And so, and I'm like, this is almost this. They took that script. It's so creepy. So yeah. And, and, and that's what happens is everyone starts to inform of like, Oh my gosh, is that possible? They watch something. They do such a good job on these shows of hooking people in and you're watching it. Yes. But then some people go, Oh my God, is that true? Because one, it's called true detective Two, uh, uh, they use elements uh, from history that actually occurred. Right. And then, so now you're down this path of wait, are they, is this something they're offering a possible explanation and going, no, the guy who wrote it was just like, Hey, this would be a really cool story and make exactly. a great movie show. And then it that's would be engaging. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, well, that's a good word to use. Absolutely. Because that's what happens with a lot of them.
so so my favorite horror movies and it's halloween so uh for all intents and purposes it's halloween and and my favorite horror stories are frankenstein werewolf uh number one on top of that list creature from the black lagoon why because when i was a young kid and i was eating the popcorn they occurred in daylight creature of the black lagoon beautiful setting cute girl uh it's swimming around like like a damn olympian uh it's on land they didn't rely on what the later horror movies did uh, just gore, which which is isn't interesting to me in the least. I've seen enough of it in my life. Or the monster has to be in the shadows. Why? Because their monster blew. They didn't spend a lot of money on it. It was CGI, so everything had to be at night in the dark. Now, somebody will say, "Well, your your primordial fear—that's where it comes from." Yeah. But I think that you're exactly right. What happened is we got soured because Hollywood constantly showed monsters in the dark. So guess what? It it fed into that already existing fear of the dark. And now our expectations were back again. We hear a bump in the night. We don't think of burglar. We think of monster. And also there's the other historical uh, uh, side of this is where some of these stories came from were, were what? It wasn't because it actually happened. It was because, you know, as a parent or community leader, we're going to come up with a story to tell the kids yes. so they don't go do this thing. We don't want them to do. And, yep. and that's, that's, there's actually a, a ton of what you know, call like urban legend and stuff that started with that. It's like, Hey, we don't want, we don't want uh, high school kids, uh, uh, you know, ha- having unprotected sex in their cars out in this area. So exactly. it's the, hey, did you hear about the couple that was murdered and hung from a tree? You know what I mean? It's like they sensationalize these stuff for the purposes of scaring people into not doing yep. something. So there's a lot of stories that, that came from that. So that that helps, that adds to it, meaning now all of a sudden it's, well, well, I've been told this my whole life, or I heard this story and now I'm hearing this again. Oh my gosh, look at it. it I see it everywhere now. It must be. Is true. that a confirmation? Exactly. Yeah. Am I now uh, 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 getting enough anecdotal evidence again that it seems to be true? And we're not bashing. Look, I won't bash a scientist, but when uh, you see this, uh, and I never know the names of the shows because I'm clickbaiting through them, or and that's not even the right term. Uh, there's <laughs> it's, some, some st- yeah. I, I don't, don't even get me started because <laughs> I don't even understand the TV remote. But there's some stupid show that shows people send in their videos of the unexplained. And then they have yeah. this bevy of scientists. They call themselves scientists. Are they although, ufologists? Yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? It's yeah. they're self-appointed. Uh, uh, and the guy will look at a video that I've just seen, and you can actually see the chair slide across the room and he'll go, this is the most remarkable evidence I've ever seen in my life. And then the next person says, well, clearly there's a demonic force in the house. How do you get from A to Z on that, Brian? Where is that quantum leap of logic that allows you to believe that? Could you imagine if your lawyer or your doctor did that? A, a doctor comes in and you, you know, you got this abscess on your back and he comes in and goes, here, lick this toad every day for a week and stand on a bar of soap. You, you would immediately call bullshit. But on those shows, Brian, we yeah. go, oh, well, that's believable. Yeah, I could see right? that. Well, I could see that happening. <laughs> I, well, I could see that. Well, how, and how do we do that? Because there's a lot of talk about, especially when it when it comes to stereotypes. Because again, these terms, these words have meaning, and they often get lost over time. Yes. Of what, and that happens across the board. And I, I hate that. Now, 
you know, like we get, we invent new terms for things, but that, that's normal in any language and any culture. There's yeah. always like, like slang terms I'm, I'm okay with because it's, that's something that came from somewhere and it, you actually can give you a lot of insight, but, but there are certain doctrinal terms almost that, that get lost over time and they get, they get hijacked, right? They kind of get hijacked to fit a certain area. So when you use them and stereotype is one of them, right? Stereotype yes. is definitely people go like, Oh, you're stereotyping me. Well, yes. everyone stereotypes everything in their environment. I would, I would put it, it it's that an way. Conscious imperative of all humans. You're exactly it, it, right. It, okay. Unconscious imperative. That's a perfect yes. way to describe it because one, it's happening even when you don't know that it's happening Precisely. and it's imperative because it has to occur for your brain to make order out of chaos. So, so we, like you said, we use the, the ice cube tray ones, right? I got to put these in different bins just in order to get through the day. Otherwise, I, you you wouldn't actually be able to process all of the information that your brain is taking in every second of the day. It would be, it would be absolutely impossible, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's a good place to understand is that am I stereotyping this situation in some way? And, and, and Gift that, to time and distance will, yeah. will prevent us from jumping to an unreasonable conclusion. And you're exactly right. So gift of time and distance is one way, yes. or we call it, you know, the, the tactile patients are taking that pause, taking that breath and going, wait, is this another thing that's just confirming my already, my already confirming my, my preexisting beliefs and, and not, and being okay with questioning them. This is the big thing, especially when it comes to stuff like uh, uh, the, the, all the cryptids, right? It's like you, you can, it's okay to question what you believe in and the the foundations and the tenets of your thoughts, because, you know, it, it'll, if they're true and what you're saying is really what's occurring, it'll actually make it a stronger case and you'll be able to understand it more. Absolutely. And if it's untrue, then you'll be able to, uh, you know, maybe I was a little off on that. Right. I think it's like a better self-correcting way to question those. I, and I don't, there's different ways to, to explain that or, or understand it. But I always, you know, try and tell people because confirmation bias is the biggest one, right? We just look for things that constantly confirm our own beliefs all day long. We're already, we're already doing that. Our brain's already doing that for us. So it's easy to fall into that trap. That's my fear with thinking of first responders and law enforcement, and we get it into our mind that what the dispatch told us is what's going on. We have a domestic right. in progress. We have this, we have that. So now our primed recognition of the scene might lead us to a higher level or threshold of violence. We may be expecting to see a person shooting other people. And therefore, when we get there, we think that the only tool that we have is to use deadly force. That's much better than shooting somebody in a flip and knee is offering training to people to say there's this panoply of decisions and you should be primed before you get to the scene to make the right decision. How do we do that? Sense, make, problem, solve, gift to time and distance. That's it. Do you see what I'm saying? But do we teach that? I, I don't think so. We do. I mean, it's, uh, our company is yeah, based on it. That, that but do in, we teach that? It, that comes into like that, that being a good witness to whatever it is. I always start with... Uh, I'm not sure, yes. but here's what I think. Because right there, I'm already providing you, Greg, if you're getting the story from me, understand yep. that there's a there's a margin of error here. Yep. Right. There's there's very is two they're very different, you know, calling like your example of calling the police, right? It's it's two different things to say, uh, there's a guy in the park with a gun versus there's a guy in the park. I think he might have a gun yep. because he's doing this. Like those are two. The response to those 
very similar, the, the same observation, yep. right? But just describing it in two different manners is going to completely change the response of the person listening. And I don't care if it's just a conversation, Greg. You're exactly so right. It, it doesn't matter. It's like, look, I, I'm not sure. I always start that off. And my, my wife, Michaela, she hates it. She's like, you're always like, well, I'm like, because I only know what I can, I can prove. I can't tell you so only so much, especially if it's from a news article. Like, look, it, it, there's, there's a margin of error in here. But yep. we don't, we so, don't want so, that. So watch this, though. Watch how let's add a layer of complexity, Brian, because we're information scientists. So let's go here. And before we make that decision, let's add this. Now the call is we have an active shooter. We have people down. We're scrambling medical, right. all that stuff. And dispatcher gives you whatever information they know. Flash to bang is the time that you hear that and you accelerate to the time you get to the mall where the shooting is or the school or wherever else. That time in here manifest right. file yeah. folders. Your brain yeah. will autonomically start bringing up information to prepare for you, uh, prepare you for the scene. That's primed recognition. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Right. So you're making decisions before you ever get to the scene. Mm -hmm. Now think of this, right? Some of them are going to be wrong. Some aren't going to pass yep. uh, the test. It's like Plinko. Some will fall out. Uh, there's not seven of them. Uh, I don't have a cover car. I only have my pistol. You get what I'm trying to say? So those are falling like teardrops, out, you know, uh, raindrops out of the sky. And all of a sudden you have now these uh, uh, flashlight size, not laser yet, flashlight size decisions that are available to you. That's normal. That's what's supposed to happen. Now, with training, those are going to follow a logical pattern. And then above and below those, just like the color spectrum, there's, you know, some that we can't see is going to be your own fears and biases. You get what I'm trying to say? And the unknown. But right. now you've got almost like this chart of possibilities through training and rehearsal. The untrained mind, Brian, is going to go in there and just have, it's going to look like snow on, on a county road at night. You get what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say? And you hit the high beam headlights and there's going to be too many choices. That's how people get analysis paralysis. That's right. how people get injured and die. So what we're talking about is a function of that. We're talking about being so overwhelmed by the environment, you know, seeing that bright light in the woods or seeing that bear stand up on hind legs to, to get honey or whatever. And we immediately go to the worst case scenario. Why? Because our brain hasn't been trained to assimilate uh, what's logical, what's most likely, you know, what, what it could be. Am I saying that there's no gosh damn uh, Bigfoot? I'm saying nope, but I'll change my opinion when somebody shows me one. Oh, you know? Yeah, that, no, that's <laughs> you know what a good, I'm trying to say. That's a good point. No, and that, that's the idea. It's not no, and there never will be. It's exactly. no, there isn't until there until there's evidence of one. No, no, and, and that's that's then you can update. Right, I can take in new information. That's what scientists do, Brian. Update my, my hypothesis and update my file folders and and kind of have have another way to look at it. So no, that that's a that's actually a great point to kind of sort of bring it in for a, yeah. for a landing, I guess, on this. And, and, um, you know, that, that's how I, I, I try to approach everything with some time and distance right now. There's certain yes. situations where you're just going to react, but if you're always reacting, you're going to fall on some sort of corrupt file folder Pinball. Or, 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 you know, you're something that, that is going to, you're going to think is, is going to be true and exists and is happening. And it's very, very different from what's actually occurring. And that's difficult. We see that stuff all the time in different after action reviews. Well, I thought I saw this and then this happened. And then the camera is saying, well, that's not what it's showing here. And the guy's going, no, or girls going, no, no, you don't understand. And he was doing, and, and they're not, they're not, lying necessarily because in here in your that's brain, what they yeah. saw felt it's, smelled tasted you're exactly so right. it's and and you brought it up earlier and it's a good point to reiterate as long if, if something is cognitively close enough 
that's all my brain needs to go. Yep. That's what it is. That's what I saw. Even if it's not the real thing, right. Even if yep. it's not exactly what I think it is. So I think those are just good points to remember. And, and also remind everyone, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, go down, like it, uh, rate us, give us a, give us some, give us five stars. Hopefully, uh, it, it helps and kind of helps boost the show. And, and so also too, if you're interested in a specific topic, always just reach out to us Hit that left of Greg at gmail.com and we can cover something in, in depth. We love hearing back from, from you guys and girls out there who are listening so that we can get, uh, other content for the show and do different topics and bring in things that we haven't discussed before. We, we would really enjoy that. So please reach out to us and then don't forget that training changes behavior. Thanks for tuning in, folks. If you would like some more information about what we talked about today, you can head to the Left of Greg Patreon site where we've added some more information about what we discussed, as well as some examples of how you can practically apply some of the lessons learned. Please remember to tell your friends about the show and follow us on Facebook at HBPRA. Thanks again and be safe.